Today we begin a new series, and the title of this series is called God in the Workplace. And we use that word workplace in at least a couple of different ways. Uh, one of the ways is uh, you think about uh, somebody's actual job that they might get paid to do, uh, the actual place they go uh, that allows them to make money and live their life accordingly. Uh, but we also use the word work in the sense of all the work that we do, uh, whether that's raising children, uh, whether that's volunteering, or whether that's mowing our grass. So when you think of workplace, think of work in uh, both of those senses of the word. Uh, regarding just our actual jobs and that kind of a thing, uh, if a person works about 40 hours a week, then that is about a third of our waking hours during any given week and uh, a fourth of our total hours awake and asleep. We give a lot of time to work. It is a significant part of what we do. And so we're going to explore the relationship between our faith and our work in this series. Uh, for many uh, people, work is kind of this necessary evil. Most people think of their work, you know, as a way of making money to pay the bills uh, so that I don't get kicked out on the street someday. Um, but what if there was more to our work? What if there was a design by God and that when that design is being lived into, we are doing what we do with a sense of deep meaning and deep purpose? What if our faith and our work overlapped? What if you discovered God in your workplace? And so during this series, one of the things that we're going to do is we're going to highlight different people in our congregation and how they see God in their workplaces. And these persons aren't, they might be the first to tell you that, you know, it's not fully lined up, that God is everywhere and they see that, uh, but they do see where God is in what they do and how those interlap and, and intersect. And they're going to be models and examples for us. And as we see their videos, my hope is that we would all catch a glimpse of how we can see God not only in our workplace, but how God wants us to change and how God wants us to have a different heart and mind and even what we do in our own workplaces. So uh, I invite you to take a look at this first video. Hi, I'm Brian Bruning. I'm an interventional radiologist and I'm medical director of Lubbock Varicose Vein Center. Right now we're in the Lubbock Varicose Vein Center. So. Welcome. Uh, interventional radiology is a sub, it's a subfield, a subspecialty of medicine that think of as image-guided surgery. So basically surgery without incisions. When I was 15 I had a serious illness and I was really impressed by the way doctors ministered to me. Um, I was able to recover fully from that illness but it left an imprint on me. When I enter the room, it's usually just me. There again, we're trying to instill a sense of calm. But for me, it starts outside the room. I'll pause before every patient encounter and just say a, a prayer. But it's to bless the encounter, to have God somehow in our interaction. But being in a God-centered workplace is very important. And I think it's just a truly blessed environment. I, I, I love working here. God really interacts in so many ways in my workplace. 
Um, and it's a lot of it's through the patients. There was one patient critically ill at the hospital and you could tell she was nervous beyond belief. Um, she had a hard time keeping it together. And so I went to her and I said, do you believe in God? And she said, yes, I do. And I asked her, would it be okay if I said a prayer for us? Maybe a prayer of, prayer of peace, maybe a prayer of healing. When I, when I said that, she snapped and she said, that would be the most wonderful thing that could ever happen. We said a prayer, we held hands. Everyone in the room was quiet, respectful. And from then on, you could see peace come over her. It, it, it touched me. That, that's really made quite an impression on me. Dr. Bruning, for uh, being our first guy jumping in and uh, showing us an example of what it uh, looks like to see and have the, our faith and our workplace overlap and intersect with one another. I want to invite you to consider the following question. What is your relationship with work in your life? What is your relationship with work in your life? Maybe you don't really like your job. Maybe you hate your job. Maybe you're great with your job, you just can't stand your boss or your coworkers or your employees. Maybe you're a student and you've changed your major seven times because you just can't figure out what I'm going to do with my life. What is my work going to be? Or maybe you've already been through school and you still don't know what you want to do. And so what do people do then? Grad school, right? You go to grad school, defer those payments, all that kind of thing. Maybe you've gotten out, you've gotten into your field, you've been in it for three years, and you think, did I make a mistake? Am I doing what I was made to do? Maybe you love your work. Maybe it's on the other end of that spectrum. Maybe you love your work, but you love your work so much that you tend to neglect other parts of your life, your family, relationships, even your health. Maybe you find just a little too much identity from your work, that you can't separate what you do from who you are, and it continues to drive that ambition in ways that are not always healthy. Maybe you work hard because you love the money, and that money gives you other things, like status, makes you feel good, uh, other people recognize you, that kind of a thing. Or maybe it affords you things that give you comfort, um, Maybe that it affords you things uh, that, uh, that tend to work in your favor and make life easier for you. Maybe your mentality and relationship with work is that uh, I work to pay the bills, but I don't really care for what I do. I just do it because it brings in the money so that I can take care of life. Maybe you are working for the weekend. You have a philosophy that there's five days you work and there's two days that, that you cash in that five days for. Maybe you are retired and you're wondering, looking back not only on the work of your life, but, but where you're at in the phase of life you're at now, and you're saying, well, what, what do I do now? Is there any work for me now? Or am I just kind of hanging out until I get too old? And maybe, like most of us, you're just hoping to win the lottery so that someday you will never have to work again. Amen? 
Amen. Am I the only one? Okay, never mind. Depending on who you are and where you're at in life, you probably have a relationship with work, and likely that relationship is complicated. We tend to either have an aversion to work, we don't want to do it, we make ourselves get up and go to it uh, every day, or we avoid it as much as we can. We try to think about it as little as possible uh, and, and we, we get away from work as much as we can. Or we love work and we almost love it too much. It's, it's kind of difficult sometimes in this relationship with work. How much is too much? How much is not enough? Um, you know, do I have to love it every minute of the day? That kind of a thing. And so we're going to enter into that over the next six weeks or so and explore what, what is my relationship with work need to be like? And so today, uh, we're going to lay some groundwork, and then we're going to continue to build week after week in this series. So I want to encourage you, if you miss a week, uh, to go back and get the week before. Uh, in your bulletin on the inside, there's a place where you can get the podcast for every sermon that we do here. You can also go to fumc.com and get every single sermon that's preached from this pulpit right here. And so I want to encourage you to do that, to stay caught up uh, if you miss a week during this series especially. So today we begin by going back to the basics and we ask the simple question, what is the nature of work in the first place? What's the design of work? Where did work even come from? Well, to do that, we have to go all the way back to the beginning. There are two places in the Bible where everything is pure. There's two places in the Bible where it's not messy or complicated. Uh, the good is here, and if there is evil, it's somewhere else. And those two places are the first two chapters of the Bible and the last two chapters of the Bible. You go to Genesis 1 and 2 or Revelation 21 and 22, it's all kind of sorted out. It's all clean. The hundreds of chapters in the middle, it's just a really big mess, and it's really hard to tease it out. And I think that kind of represents our work. Our work is good, but it's tainted and it's messy because we live in a messy season of history. And so we're going to go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1 and 2 to when you could see work in its pure form and we can discover the nature and the design of work in the first place. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was formless and void, and the Spirit of God hovered over the surface of the deep. And on the first day of all creation, God said, let there be light. And God separated the light from the darkness, and God called the light good, and it was so, and that was the first day of creation. On the second day, God separated the waters above from the waters below and created what we now know as sky. And so the sky existed, and we have more order to the world, and it was good. On the third day, God separates the sea from the land, and he calls it good, the third day. On the fourth day, God uh, creates the greater light to govern and rule over the day, and the lesser light to govern and rule over the night, the sun and the moon and then the stars. And God looks upon what he made, and he calls it Good. And the fifth day, God creates the sea animals and he creates the birds. And he looks upon what he made in the fifth day and he calls it good. On the sixth and final day of creation, in Genesis chapter 1, God creates the land animals. And as the pinnacle of all creation, he creates these things called human beings. 
And he says, this creation that I've made in total is very good. That is Genesis chapter 1. Moving into Genesis chapter 2, we get the first mention of this word work in the Bible. It says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all their multitude. And on the seventh day God finished the work that He had done, and He rested on the seventh day from all the work that He had done. And so God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it, because on it God rested from all the work that He had done in creation. Three times we get this word work. I think the writer of Genesis is trying to hammer something home. What we have, as Genesis 2 reflects back upon that story of creation, is that God is at work and that God has been working from the beginning. God's not working to pay the bills. God's not working because he has to. God's not working because his mama got him out of bed and told him he needs to go. God is working because it is in very, God's very nature to work. It is who God is. And then God comes in the end of Genesis chapter 1 and he says this. Let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over the cattle and over the wild animals of the earth and everything that creeps upon the earth. And then God says... And then it says, so God created humankind in his image, the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and he said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. God creates humans in his image. What does that mean? To be created in in the image of God. Well, people interpret this differently, but really what this means, I think, is that to be created in the image of God means that we're created to be like God in some way or another. Back in uh, the ancient Near East, uh, they would consider their kings and their rulers to be created in the image of God. And so what that means is they would rule being in the, image of, in the image of God means they had the power to rule over the land or rule over that kingdom or domain. To be in the image of God means that we have been given power and authority to rule. That God has created all of this and then he handed it to humankind and said, Here, this is my good creation. I am giving it to you to rule over it. You have been created in my image, meaning I am giving you authority over it, to have dominion and to subdue the world. It is up to you now. I'm entrusting the creation to you. This is what it means to be in the image of God, is that we have been given the power to oversee. Now today we live in a very sophisticated world, right? We uh, are much more sophisticated than Genesis 1 and Genesis chapter 2. We have cars and airplanes and the internet and all that stuff, even bottled water. We have all kinds of things that are technologically advanced. But we have not gone outside the bounds 
of what God created for us in Genesis chapter 1. We've not out-technologicalized ourselves. We have not gotten so fancy that, God, that Genesis 1 uh, doesn't apply to us anymore. We have not circumvented or usurped the bounds of creation. And so to be human in the year 2019, to be a human being consistent with the nature that God made us, means that we continue to carry out the work of God in creation, in all that we do. That means at least a couple of things. The first thing that means is, as a human being, you and I are made for work, okay? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have you repeat that, okay? I am made for work. I know this is going to be hard for some of you, okay? But say it after me. I am made for work. Ready? One, two, three. I am made for work. It's okay. You can wear that. One, two, three. Let's do it again. One, two, three. I am made for work, okay? God has given a work unto you. You may not know exactly what that is. You may not feel it. You may not love it. But that is a part of who you really are. And so when we are doing the work that God called us to do, we are actually living out of our true and authentic self. We're living out of who God made us to be and to become. And so our relationship with work, the question is, if work is a relationship, are you committed in this relationship? Are you committed to doing work? Up until the very day that you breathe your last breath, God has a work for you. He has people for you to see and relate to. He has things for you to do. Are you committed to your work? The second thing this means is that work, in its purest form as God created, work is actually good. There is a goodness to the work that God has called us to. I want to invite you to consider the ways that you work in your life and begin by trying to find the goodness in that work. Does your, does your work honor God in some way? Is it, is it honoring God's creation? Is it honoring people? In what ways does your work serve in the world to honor God and to honor His creation and to honor others? Now, if you're an interventional radiologist, it may be easier to see that because you may be able to go home at the end of the week and say, you know what? I saved a few lives this week. That person would not be alive if it weren't for me. But for the most of us, it's a little more complicated. On the other end of that spectrum, if, if you sell drugs for a living, and I don't mean the pharmaceutical rep, sir, in the third row back there, illegal drugs that do harm to people, then it's possible that you can't find any real goodness in that work. And you might need to think about changing your line of work. We're not just baptizing and ordaining all forms of work here in this series. But many, many of us are somewhere in between those two. Many of us are in that place of ambiguity. And one of the goals of this series is help us to discern the value and the goodness of what we're doing. And that we're doing what God is calling us to do. And that we're doing it in such a way that we're living out of who he called us to be. We may and probably have some praying and some discerning to do.
But before we let that complicated part set in, let's acknowledge, first of all, that work is good, that we were made to work, and that our work is meant to be a part of living out of God's calling on our lives. What is your relationship with work? Your relationship with work is connected to your relationship with God. And so today what I want us to do is just to step back and to say, God, would you just get my heart right as I think about and, and enter into my work in my life? Whether that's the work of a parent, whether that's the work of whatever vocation you have before you, whether that's the work of a volunteer, Lord, would you help me to be aligned in my heart and my mind with what it is that I am doing? Would you line up my heart and my mind with that? Or would you line up my doing with my heart and my mind, which is lined up with what you're doing, Lord, in your heart and your mind? Next week, we're going to get into the tangled mess. We're going to jump into Genesis chapter 3, where weeds come up out of the ground, where there's pain in uh, childbirth and la labor, as we see in Genesis chapter 3. We're going to start digging into the messiness of it. But for today, let's just acknowledge the goodness of work and the fact that God has called us to be committed to the work that He has put before us because He's called us to be committed to Him. Let us pray.